If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. And this is Erin with Sadler Science. And welcome back to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. We are together again because <laughs> you've had some solo episodes. Uh, and today we are talking about notebooking. So Erin got this question. And I'm just going to let her read uh, the question that, that someone sent. Yeah, this is from Lindsay, New Mexico. She said, I would love to learn more about incorporating interactive notebooks in the NGSS classroom. Do you follow the left side, right side? How do you grade them? Do you use them as a lab notebook as well? So. What do we think? So there's lots to dig in there. And I'm excited because this is, I think, a hot topic like notebooking. Everybody everybody always talks about it, especially at the beginning of the school year. What type of notebook is best? Blah, blah, blah. Um, So I think it's really a a great topic to talk about. Um, I guess before we dig into like some of the nitty gritty answers, and this kind of, I think, follows the, the question with the left side, the right side. There are some differences with notebooking in an NGSS or a three-dimensional or honestly any kind of like active learning or student-driven learning type of classroom. And so I I think that we should kind of like talk about maybe just some of those differences first and kind of like the purpose of notebooking first um, before we dig into like some of the other nitty-gritty questions. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So um, like what what were notebooks traditionally used for? Because I think that we... um, like we see a lot of like on teachers pay teachers and stuff like that, like stuff for notebooks. And um, so following a certain format and all of that kind of stuff. So what were they originally used for? Yeah. I feel like traditionally our notebook, like when I was in school, even things like that, notebooks were like the teacher gave you the information and you wrote it in your notebook Mm -hmm. and the notebook was then like maybe your study resource. And I don't, I don't actually think that's a bad thing to think of a notebook as a resource for learning because Obviously, like we'll talk about even when we get to the grading, like your students should be using the stuff they put in the notebook. They should be going back to like the third page of your unit when they're like three weeks into your unit or whatever, you know, we want them to use their notebooks. We want them to think about them as resources. But I think the biggest shift is just it's not about taking the information from the teacher and putting it in. It's more about like this is your students like working space and it's where the they are recording like their ideas and their understandings and they're changing understandings. And, and of course you're adding to it as the educator with 
vocabulary and clarifying ideas and even expressing ideas succinctly, because students can oftentimes need help with that. I can oftentimes need help with that. <laughs> but um, but it's not just this like, give me what to write and then I'm copying it down. And and honestly, like I that's how I use notebooks when I first started teaching. I would do the whole PowerPoint thing or the presentation thing, or that I even had an Elmo. Like I'm like, oh, I don't like PowerPoints, but I'm just gonna do use this Elmo. <laughs> and write the notes. And then the students are going to copy the notes that I wrote. Like basically it was a PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think if we look at like the 5e model that you're still going to have that like explained part two where the teacher is providing information, but it's after the students have done all that work, you know? So to me, I feel like the majority of the notebook should be student, like student work, students thoughts, that kind of stuff with just a little bit of teacher. Yes. Yeah. The teacher's stuff is like just coming after to, again, summarize, um, put it together, give them that vocabulary that like explain part two, but there should be a lot of student stuff prior to that. Right. Um, And so along those lines, that left side, side, right side. So when I started using interactive notebooks, like I got that book, whatever, whatever book it was that talks about left side, right side and all of that. And I think the problem with using that in your like student driven class is that, I mean, it made steps forward and that students were making meaning. The problem was the teacher stuff came first. So it was like, these are the teacher's notes and now the students are putting them in their own words or summarizing it or whatever. And we would just want to flip that. So if you're going to do a left side, right side, because you appreciate that structure, I think it's just flipping it so that, you know, it's heavier on the student side, which Aaron had mentioned when we were talking about this prior to, um, well, just now, but also prior to recording, but also the student stuff comes first and it's heavier on that end. And then like the teacher stuff is added in afterward. Um, I don't know. So if you can find a way to make the left side, right side work with that, I mean, with that thinking, I think go for it. Yeah. And we kind of discussed like, I, when I envision this, I envision there being like so many student pages that it wouldn't add up. But then we were talking about maybe potentially doing like vocabulary and stuff like that as a, as like a teacher um, page. So then it might, you know, balance out a little bit if we did something like that. One, so another way maybe you could use a left, right side. And again, if left, if that kind of structure is not your thing, you could still do this, but it's, whatever. Um, okay. So my, my thoughts are some of the stuff that you might put on like the student side, whatever the student pages or whatever. Again, I don't necessarily think you need to limit yourself to like, this is a teacher directed page. This is a student directed page. I actually like the idea of there's the student pages. And then during the discussion with the teacher, they are just like annotating on their own pages. Um, but you could have these like earlier exploration type of pages and then these like meaning making pages, you know? So in an exploration, maybe they're analyzing data or a map or something like that. And one of the things I like to do when I use explorations, I actually did a lot with like worksheets. Um, cause a lot of times I had a, an organizer I wanted to give them, or I had question prompts and guiding questions. And like, I don't want to make a kid write, write out 20, 20, but like even five questions, that's silly. So there was always like an organizer that went with the exploration. And a lot of times I would just have them take like the, the data set that was on their work, worksheet or organizer or the map that they like had colored to show the ages of crustal rocks or whatever it was. And that would go like be cut out and I would be glued into the notebook. And then on the next page or around that, depending on how much space you have, that's where they would be like doing the 
the, the guided discussion and the meaning making and things like that. So you have like the exploration, the raw data, the their initial thoughts on like the one side. And then you had like, what does that actually mean? What are my takeaways? How does this apply to the phenomenon on the other side of the page? And so I could see that working with like, if you want some structure to your notebooks. Yeah, I really like that. Cause I think it makes that explore, explain piece like really visible to them. Cause I think that that's, that's really, I think that's beneficial for the kids to kind of have that like background insight. Cause sometimes they just feel like, what are we doing? Where are we doing this? Where you could, you know, you yeah. could say, Hey, our goal is to take this and make it really clear. You know, I think yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah. So I'm um, so you can kind of structure it that way. I think too. Um, if you wanted to do like a left side kind of right side thing, but even with that, you know, you have your students make like write their takeaways, make their meaning. Like you might give them a prompt and ask them to describe the patterns or whatever on, on the meaning making page. And then you might add, have them during your discussion, like literally on their exploration pages, add in vocabulary. So on a different example, like let's say you're doing biotic and abiotic factors and you're just sorting factors. The raw side is kind of like the student's initial ideas about sorting factors. The kind of making meaning side is more like there are living factors and there are non-living factors. And then that could all have been done during an exploration and during their own thinking. And then during the discussion, you're like, oh, also the living factors are called biotic. And then they add the word biotic right onto their notebook page. Yeah. You don't even need to have like a separate vocabulary page for that. It's just yeah. put it right in. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I do kind of like having a separate vocabulary page just because I think it makes it easier to find those words when they're like struggling to find them. Yeah. Um, but I also think that depends on your student too. If you have a student who like is picturing that picture, you know, it's a nice. Yeah. Tool. Yeah. Well, and that's what you can kind of do, but like you can have your, we're going to do it. I'm going to give you the term in the moment. You're going to write it down, but then, Hey, let's add our new vocabulary. We learned today to our glossary. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we didn't really talk about this, but would you use it as a lab notebook as well? What are your thoughts there? I have some thoughts if you. Um, you go first. Okay. So like an offhand answer. <laughs> this is my, I really don't like the word lab because when I think of lab, I think of like that recipe style thing. And I really want to see students focusing on the practices instead and so, of course, we incorporate the practices in the notebook, but yeah. um, I don't necessarily see like a full lab write up going in there or something like that. Like that, I don't yeah. know, that just, that feels weird to me. So that's my initial thought there. No, I feel like I agree. I feel like if I was having, um, yeah, I think that I would probably let's see, if I'm giving them some type of procedure, let's say the, the focus is not on designing the investigation, it's on like um, obtaining the data or whatever, mm -hmm. collecting the data. I feel like I would probably give them a printout of the instruction, like the instructions. Yeah. And then maybe they are using their notebook to record data. Or I, like I said, I would probably just give them like a separate paper. One, because then they don't all have to have notebooks at the lab, like depending on what the supplies are and things, um, getting destroyed. I don't know, like if you have yeah. water and stuff like yeah. that, you're going to run the risk of, of, um, or if they needed the scaffolding at that point of having a, a data table already built, 
mm-hmm. I would just give it to them. And then I would just have them cut and paste it into their notebook. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of teachers talk about, do you do the cutting pacing thing? Do you not do it? Like there's a lot of annoyances with that. Yeah. I feel like in those, in those instances, like the cutting and pacing is really not a big deal. It takes, right. it doesn't even take that long when you start doing like fancy flaps and, and stuff like that, which is not also, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying you can cut and paste for a very like purpose. Like I have this paper, I need it to get in there. You can also cut and paste just because you really like those flaps and maybe you play games with it or the kids quiz themselves on vocabulary or whatever. That's okay too. Um, but you don't have to cut and paste to have an interactive notebook, I guess is what I'm going with. <laughs> right. And I even would just like fold the paper in half and glue one side down to the notebook. So then you don't have to deal with the cutting and all the like. Little- oh yeah, that's true. And then yeah. it just unfolds. I, I did that a lot too. Like if I had a big map or something yeah. and it wasn't small and would fit, you could just like fold it. Yeah. And it, it became an unfold kind of thing. And that's kind of nice too, because then you have more space on the page exactly. to actually add and annotate and write and stuff like that. Exactly. And um, I'm also, I'm going to be a big grump and say, don't do the like cute little folding stuff because I am a hot mess. If you give me glue and scissors and stuff like that, I I'm that kid that will have my, like everything will be glued together and all of that kind of stuff. So um, if you have kids who have trouble with, you know, like spatial awareness and things like that, um, you're setting them up to (laughs) make it difficult, you know, and that could be something that is like, and this is not the topic of today's podcast, but, um, incorporating choice. So if you had last, um, last two, two, two weeks ago, I talked about stations and how sometimes you want to have stations that are just really independent so that you can like focus on the exploration and deeper thinking stuff with another group, like vocabulary and reviewing vocabulary and reflecting on it. And all that is a really independent station generally, because the idea is that they've already develop the conceptual understanding, go back to the episode on vocabulary. If you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so, but that could be like a, a way that you would have a station and your options are to do the cute, cutesy cutting, folding, whatever flap thingy, or, Hey, you can just put it in, in this organizer or, or do a frayer model form. like, you know, you can give them some choices to how do you want to work with this vocabulary? And then for the students who are like, I love the cutesy flaps. They can do that. And the students who are like, no, I don't want to cut and paste. They don't need to. So that could be um, a way that you can even incorporate like little bits of choice into your classroom. Yeah. Yeah. If they want to make it pretty, let them. But um, I I don't want to make anything pretty. (laughs) Yes. And that is another thing with the with the notebooking. I think we weren't planning on talking about, but pretty or not pretty or like I don't think there's anything wrong with incorporating the pretty things, the artsy things, the color pencils and all that. Sometimes those are really valuable with modeling and all of that. but I, so I think, you know, when you can incorporate that stuff that too, that's awesome. Like having students design a cover page for a unit, it's not necessarily hugely valuable. It could be a great formative assessment at the end of a unit, but also if your students are like not into drawing and stuff, then maybe they don't do that and they do something different or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like sometimes notebooks become like, how can I make it this really pretty cutesy document of learning or whatever, instead of like this, like actually reflecting learning is kind of messy. There's a lot of cross outs. There's a lot of mess ups. And that's something you might actually might even want to talk to your students about. I am. If you go to like the library of Congress, you can see like, um, pictures of notebooks from like, you know, famous scientists 
And it's really cool to see like how much they're crossing out and stuff like that. So um, I like used to make a presentation for the kids and like show them what that looked like. And it was really cool. It was a really cool discussion about like that. I think that when you're teaching like notebook, like introducing your notebooks at the beginning of the year, we've like gone on tangents. We aren't planning on talking about any of these, but it's like, oh, the ideas come. Um, (laughs) So I think that's something really important to talk about. You know, we talk about all of the stuff you want to remind students of with this style of learning and how it's like challenging and they're going to make mistakes and all of that. And I think really emphasizing like your notebook is going to have a lot of mistakes. You're going to draw models that are going to be wrong. You're going to record answers that are going to be wrong. You're going to, you know, thinking that's like, I don't want to say answers, but like thinking that's wrong or incorrect. Um, and that's okay. Like it's not supposed to be pretty. Right. It, your kids, your students are going to think I need to make this perfect. I need to make all of my answers like correct. Honestly, my daughter, if she like writes a word wrong and she probably should be using pencil, but sometimes we just use pen because it's what's around. <laughs> um, but she like writes it wrong and I'm like, it's fine. Just like cross it out and write it underneath it. And she's like, I don't like it. Like, I don't like, how-. I'm like, you are going to <laughs> you're going to write things wrong so many times over the rest of your life. Like just get used to it. It's not a big deal or yeah. use a pencil. Right. But, um, yeah. but having that conversation about it's going to be messy. Um, and I even want to see that. I want to see yeah. that things are crossed out and fixed and changed and adjusted because that's literally like evidence of learning. Right. Right. Um, which I think kind of brings us to that last piece, which is grading. So, um, I think that we have some different thoughts about grading, but I liked what you had to say because I think it simplified quite a bit. When I was thinking about grading, um, what I used to do, I used to grade every single page and make it like five points each. And we would do it as a class so that it was like really quick. And then I would just go around and collect the scores and do stuff like that. But what I found was I was really grading students on organization which that's not part of their grade, you know, like that shouldn't be part of their grade. Um, It was heavily weighted in their grade. I like when I first started this, it was a hot mess. So (laughs) do you want to talk about what you did? So I, um, okay. So I called them notebook checks and I, at the beginning of the year, I really talked about how, like, I'm going to be checking your notebook. You're going to be getting a grade for this. Like I did emphasize that. Um, And however, when it actually came down to it, I feel like I like front loaded, like I did one in the first like two weeks and then I did another one, like maybe two weeks later, and then maybe a third one pretty quick on, um, just to like get them in the habit of thinking I was going to check things. And then it was, and then like second semester, I think I collected, I like looked at it one time, I like collected them and looked at them one time, third, you know, like third, second second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. It was like a couple of grades. Um, but earlier on, I kind of like wanted to trick them into thinking I was going to check them regularly. So that was one, one little trick, but I just did notebook checks and I basically had a super like quick little rubric. It was literally on like a, either I printed four to a page or six to a page and I would staple it into, so I would just go check it and then staple it into their notebook. Um, and that's how I returned it to them. And it was super easy. And Um, Or you could just hand it to them, whatever. I think I stapled it. I don't know why. Uh, So what I did though was I, I I was, when we were talking about this, I couldn't remember if I had two categories or just one, but, or maybe it was just one kind of holistic rubric, but I mentioned both things in it. And I was looking for general like completion. Like, do you have the pages that we like did 
did, you know? And again, I wasn't checking every single page. If it looked like mostly they had, like, I remember we built, you know, spent some time drawing this model of this phenomenon. They should have somewhere on their pages, like this model of this phenomenon. I did um, with organization, I did do the numbering pages things. Um, and I guess we didn't really get into this, um, but I, I did have my students number pages so that I could be like, go back to page two. However, page two, there might be three page twos because it was more like the lesson. Yeah. So if like this exploration or this lesson or this day, this lesson plan spanned three pages, cause that's what they needed. There'd be like page two, page two, page two, the top of the page two, the first one, you know, had the dates and the title of the lesson or whatever it was just as an organization thing. So I was looking for when I was scanning it, you know, they had all of those things from that lesson too that we kind of had done or the majority of it. And then I literally just picked like one or maybe two questions that kind of showed that were or two parts of the notebook that were meant to show what students actually understood. So following say a meaning making activity after an exploration, we've discussed our ideas, we've like taken some notes, or whatever, I would have students do some sort of formative assessment in their notebook. At the time of giving them the formative assessment, I might just like walk around and stamp that it was done. Um, or maybe nothing at all. It was just like, this is at before you leave class today, this is what I want you guys to write down, or whatever, draw a picture of or whatever. And, um, or sometimes it was during the discussion, like we were going through the evidence and I want you to tell me what this evidence means in the other column, like whatever the task was, it was somehow like designed to show what students understood. And I literally just evaluated that one thing. So um, that's one thing when you're doing your notebooking, sprinkle in those like formative assessment type of things. And you can then like grade students for their understanding they're showing in their notebook, as well as just like, do they have it done? Yeah. 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 I like that because that sounds like it saves a lot of time, one, and two, you're not grading on those pieces that really don't matter, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have kind of gone the opposite direction. Um, I, uh, and I don't know if it's the best way, but it's kind of like what I suggest for the people that I work with now. I don't grade them <laughs> at all. Um, so we do a lot of graphic organizers, like I have graphic organizers for the cross-cutting concepts and I just collect those and then give them back to the students. And I like, you know, put feedback on that. Um, and then they put it in their notebook after, um, and then they're allowed to use their notebook on their assessments. And I just don't grade it, it, you know, and it works for now. <laughs> yeah. No. And I think like, so I, totally like agree with your approach because you don't want to like use grades as a like grades should not be how you motivate or engage your students to do something like that it's like I guess you can do it I get it it's it works with many students but um falling back on like grades to get participation or compliance like I just don't like that idea in theory um, I think in practice, sometimes we do it and it is what it is. Um, but I think that your way of why should we write in this notebook? Because we want to record our ideas because we are thinking through them and that helps us. And because we're going to use all of our ideas and record it in like what we learned on our assessment. And so we need it later. That's like a more authentic, I guess you're still using grades because your assessment is graded, but um, it is a more authentic like way of 
adding a rationale to the notebook. So I for sure, I for sure like that. I think whatever you decide to do it, whatever works for your students, if you don't need to grade it and they still will, will do it, then don't spend the time grading it. If you need to like get so many grades in your, your quarter grade book and you want to use that one, then there you go. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. And then it, I don't know, it takes away that like, oh gosh, I just remember if a student lost their notebook, it was like, oh man, what are we going to do now? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, well, we'll just start again. And we you know with what, what we have moving forward. And unfortunately you lost that piece and, you know, like yeah. even, I don't even really care if they, you know, like borrow notes from a friend or whatever, cause you would do that in college. You would, you know, yeah. if you felt like your notes weren't good. You would borrow somebody else's. So yeah. I gotcha. That's good. Um, I do want to mention, so I do have like a whole little workshop. It's not as like maybe it was 40. I don't know. I did it a long time ago. It's inside of spark science. If anybody is looking for more in-depth, um, guidance on like setting up notebooks for NGSS classrooms and like nitty gritty, like I kind of mentioned, like how I do the page numbers and stuff like that. Um, so I just want to like throw that out there. If you are looking for more information or structured specifics on that check out spark science um but i think we like definitely covered the general ideas today about how we can use interactive notebooking like what it is for your ngss class and like how we can use them to actually like support student thinking and like what their yeah like what their purpose is and even the assessment piece and all of that so yeah i think we're good Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today for this episode and we will catch you next week. Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.